This is Conquering Cancer Together from the New York Cancer and Blood Specialists. All right, welcome back to our podcast. Um, I'm here tonight with Dr. Yelda Nori. She is a medical oncologist with New York Cancer and Blood Specialists. We are talking about um, breast cancer and breast cancer survivorship. Welcome, Dr. Nori. Thanks for having me. So if I was a breast cancer patient that had just completed treatment, um, what would you tell me would be the next steps ahead, or what should I expect going forward in the future now that my treatment is over, assuming that my disease has been cured? What should I expect next? So that's an excellent question, Chris. So one important thing, too, for our viewers to understand is that men can also have breast cancer. So I think men sometimes get lost and forgotten in the breast cancer battle, but in the United States, about 90% of patients survive their diagnosis, and five years later, they're doing great. And a large proportion of those patients are men. So for both men and women, I think the important thing to understand is that your journey is not over when you finish your chemotherapy or radiation therapy, but often uh, a lot of the medications we put you on to prevent your breast, breast cancer from coming back have long-term side effects. So uh, I think it's important to have a close a very open and honest relationship with your patients. I often feel like I'm talking to a teenager. I tell my patients, tell me everything. I'd rather you tell me the truth, that you're not taking your AI, your aromatase inhibitor, that you're not taking your hormone medications, and be open and honest. At really every visit, what we assess, um, and for a lot of women and men, who've received Herceptin, it's uh, cardiac toxicity is a big concern. So we assess their cardiovascular health. That's very important. Um, we often spend a great deal of time talking about sleep. Okay, so sleep disturbances. Uh, I get numerous questions every day for, from patients regarding uh, vitamin supplements, um, whether modifying soy in their diet is gonna affect their risk of breast cancer recurrence. Um, and we also talk about psychosocial support. You know, how did their cancer diagnosis affect their sexual relationship with their spouse or how did it affect their family relationship? So those are important things we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So you mentioned before about soy and reoccurrent soy protein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Is yeah. there any research on that? Yeah, there's research, but very limited data. So there's nothing out there that would definitively tell a patient you must cut soy out from your diet completely. Um, you know, there is a thought that f could phytoestrogens um, stimulate hormone receptor positive cancers. Yes, um, I think there's a lot of different varying views. So for the most part, what I tell my patients is uh, don't eat excessive amounts of soy, do it in moderation. A few times a month is perfectly fine, but don't eliminate things that you enjoy completely. And you also mentioned vitamins. Do you recommend your patients take a multivitamin? Or? I'm really simple. The vitamin industry is going to hate me because I say don't buy expensive vitamins and supplements. If you have a good, well-balanced um, you know, nutritional plan, you should be completely fine. I always advocate a nice uh, multivitamin if you feel like your diet is lacking you know, a certain food groups. I do recommend vitamin D. That's another area that's never been proven but most oncologists will advocate 
you know, uh, vitamin D rich diets and vitamin D supplementation. Um, there are certain cancers like colon and breast that have an association with higher vitamin D levels and, and decreased risk of recurrence. So I usually say multivitamin, a vitamin D, and a well-balanced diet. I typically do not recommend excessive amounts of supplements. So along those lines, what about bone health? Is bone health important or is that relative to... Super important. So recently um, in the JAMA Oncology, there was a trial published, the ABCSG trial that looked at the use of certain medications that strengthen bone and its effect on uh, long-term breast cancer survival and patients who are postmenopausal who are going to receive an aromatase inhibitor. We're focusing in on that population and advocating bone health. So when I say bone health, it's not that I'm talking about putting every patient on Prolia, um, but I do screen patients very closely for that. But what I tell patients is weight-bearing exercise. And a lot of my female patients say, I love doing cardio. I run on the treadmill. I say it's not enough. You should be uh, lifting weights. You should be, um, you know, building up muscle, um, you know, degrading muscle. That's how you build bone health. Um, so I say to my patients, you really have to, you know, figure out an activity that incorporates uh, that into your regimen. Bone health is super important. So as a patient, would, um, like, for example, if I was a patient, should I be expected to be screened for bone health? Would you be doing any testing? Absolutely. So for my postmenopausal females, I start screening um, at the time, usually when, they're, um, when they've completed their chemotherapy prior to the use of an aromatase inhibitor, I obtain a, b- a baseline if it has not been done so already. Following the use um, of an aromatase inhibitor, I will follow the bone density every two years. I get my gynecology colleagues involved, and a lot of times, um, you know, I'll work with them to make sure um, we share the results. Um, I actively chase my patients and say every two years you need to have a bone density performed. And what about sexual health in the breast cancer survivor? Is that a a topic that you see coming up often with your patients? Huge, 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 huge topic. Um, In the advent of the soft and text trials, which were two pivotal trials that were published within the last few years that advocated the use of ovarian suppression. So that's, that basically means giving young women who are diagnosed with breast cancer at an early age, you're giving them Lupron. So you're basically putting them into a chemical menopause. Once you do that, women experience um, symptoms such as uh, painful intercourse, vaginal dryness, um, decreased libido. These are day-to-day concerns that my patients bring up to me. And it's very, very difficult to sell ovarian suppression um, when you're having a young woman who's in her 30s and 40s and feeling like they're She's in her 70s. So we talk about this at every visit. Um, We discuss various techniques. We talk about lubrication. We talk about possible topical therapy. Um, And again, we also get our gynecologists uh, involved. And this is where I think in terms of survivorship, having you know, uh, sexual therapists and, you know, psychologists that really deal with sexual health, that's where I see this really becoming an important part of our treatment plan. Yeah, breast cancer survivorship sounds very um, comprehensive. There are many different factors involved. What do you think is probably one of the most important factors for improving, you know, overall health and survival in a breast cancer patient? So I think the biggest thing we can do as an oncology community is come up with a cohesive plan. So there's no real... Um, 
I would say across the board, every institution uses one survivorship plan. So just like we have algorithms for treating early stage breast cancer um, set forth by the NCCN, I think if we as an oncology community get together and create a comprehensive survivorship plan so every patient across the country is getting the same type of survivorship, I think that's you know, tremendously beneficial. So you know, I think that's very important. Is there any other information that you want to share with our audience? So I think um, I see primarily breast cancer patients. I spend a lot of time with my patients. And I just want to say that I think my patients are wonderful. They're so open. They're so honest. And the most important thing is make sure you are with an oncologist who makes you feel special every time you go in and see them and gives you that time that you really need because these are very complex, important issues, and they really take time to dissect and take care of. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you.